Luke chapter 21. So my habit, and I know many, some of you at least, um, we were taught, Pastor Nancy taught us from the Word of God about how to pray for your minister. Uh, five things to pray for the minister. Well, I pray those things every time before I minister for myself, for utterance to be given, for boldness, for the Word of the Lord to come forth freely and unhindered, amen, by any human, technical, demonic power, amen, that the Word that is preached is glorified. You know, how would God's word that's preached be glorified? Well, as you take it, receive it, you comprehend it, but then only when you begin to act on it is the word preached glorified in your life. Yes. Amen. Yes. You know, the word that I preach is not glorified in your life because you say amen. Right. It's only glorified in your life when you take that and you begin to implement that truth in your own life. Then the word of God is really being glorified. And then that fifth thing is that you, me, we would all be delivered from unreasonable and godly men. Just had a testimony in the short meet and greet how someone in our church got delivered from an unreasonable person. Amen. Hallelujah. God's either going to change their heart, get them out of the way, do something. Because we're moving forward. God's people are moving forward. Amen. Amen. So I prayed those things, and this is what I believe is the word of the Lord, and that is to minister to us, to encourage us on, along the line of living worry-free. Amen. Living worry-free. How many of you know that's a big deal? Praise God. You know, Americans, uh, you know, I think over 70 million adults are on medication. Uh, and I'm not talking about for just a physical ailment, but for emotional and mental difficulties that they're having. And I am not making fun of that. But thank God, just like, uh, you know, we wouldn't make fun if anybody had a uh, diagnosis cancer of cancer or diabetes, you know. But, uh, you know, depression's a real thing and, and it's epidemic. You know, but the world we're living in is only going to give us more opportunity to worry, more opportunity to be afraid, not less. And, uh, and yet in the midst of it all, God has made, our redemption is total. Our redemption is spirit, soul, and body. Amen. There's no area of our life that the blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection hasn't touched with blessing in a good way. And it's not just available to us, but it is a vital necessity in every Christian's life in this hour, that we learn how to live worry-free, that we learn how to live fear-free lives. In my fellowship with God this afternoon, the Lord seemed to impress upon my heart, you know, this thought that uh, more of God's people on the earth today are making fear-based decisions than they are faith-based decisions. I think that's probably, I think I'm probably accurate in hearing what he said about that. All right, well, we're going to miss the mark in a big way. If, we're, if our decisions are uh, the fruit of worry, if they're inspired by fear in any form, well, then by definition, we're not being led by the Spirit. And we are to live our lives every day led by the Spirit. But instead, sadly, many, many million, most Christians probably by percentage, are not being led by the Spirit. They're being controlled to some degree or another, by worry and by some form of fear. Listen, we need to get this down. If I react, if I act, if I take a direction, if I make a decision out of fear, I miss God. I'm off the wisdom of God, off the plan of God. We should be moving in faith, not fear. I said we should be moving in faith, not fear. Amen? 
And we need to, you know, some people bless their hearts. You know, again, I'm not making fun. They have been in the flow of worry, in the flow of fear so long, they don't even recognize. It is their flow. Fear is their lifestyle. Worry, fear and doubt is the flow of their life. And so you've got to recognize the grip that worry and fear has on you and break free. Because you and I will not be able to live the life God wants us to live. And He will not be able to do for us what He wants to do for us while we are in worry, while we are in fear. Amen. So here in Luke 21, this is Luke's uh, gospel, of course, recording uh, his version of what he heard, what the Spirit of God wanted him to write about Jesus' Olivet Discourse where they asked him about the signs of the last days. We won't read it all. The whole chapter is wonderful. But we'll just pick it up in verse number 25 and read down several verses. So here Jesus in Luke 21 verse 25 says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. We have all of that. Amazing prophetic signs going on. And they have been for several years. You know the Revelation 12 sign, the, the sun-clothed woman in the stars. That like never happened before, you know. Uh, and it, it's like old news now. It's like two, three years ago. Right? But anyway, I don't have time to run down that trail, but we have this going on. Let me find my place. Sun, moves and stars. Look at this. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Now... More and more globally, not just a nation or two. We're coming to this place. The Middle East is a powder keg that is blowing up right before our eyes. And there's no answer. Nobody's got an answer. Our own country. Nobody is voicing an answer to the division, to the strife, to the hatred, to the crime. How about the national debt? $35 trillion dollars. And counting $2 billion a day we have to pay on the interest on our debt. And the population just wants more and more and more free money all the time. It is unsustainable. Nobody has an answer. So nations are increasingly in distress with perplexity. Meaning they're not just distressed, but there are no answers. The sea and the waves roaring. Now look at verse 26. Men's hearts. That means women too. Amen. People's hearts failing them for fear. Failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So here Jesus is saying that one of the things you'll see as a sign that you're really close to my return to the end of the age is that people's lives will begin to fail because of the overwhelming influence of fear because of what they're dealing with and what they see coming and they just can't take it. Now people have interpreted this verse, men's hearts failing them for fear a couple of different ways. I think both, I think both ways I've heard are accurate. Number one, some people's physical hearts will fail. They have heart attack, cardiac problems, high blood pressure, high tension that leads to problems because of the stress of fear on their body. Right? But Dr. Dufresne pointed out that he believes that the primary interpretation is men's hearts means men's spirits. Their insides will fail because of the influence of fear. See, fear is a flow of the enemy. Fear is a flow of darkness. 
Fear is a flow of the curse. Fear is a flow of Satan himself. And we're supposed to have nothing to do with fear. We're supposed to live disassociated with it. Now, it's impossible. We're going to, I love what my friend Pastor Jay Eberly wrote in one of his books I was reading this afternoon. He said, uh, don't think, believer, uh, that because you sense the presence of worry, the presence of fear, that you're in fear. We are in the world, and the world is increasingly filled with fear. What we have to do is learn to be in the presence of the wrong thing and not let it get on the inside of us. You and I, we're going to feel the effects of fear. We're, right, we're going to have uh, the, the, the cause and the, the temptation to worry, to be anxious. Amen. But that doesn't mean that we're not in faith. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that Jesus prepares a table before us where? In the presence of our enemies. We have to learn to be skillful in the presence of our enemy. So the way the Lord's helped me to say it is uh, we have to learn to do the right thing when we feel the wrong thing. And the right thing is to stay in faith and not let worry in, not let fear in, not let oppression in, not let depression in. I, I just it, it, The occasion presented itself in private conversation and with the back room among the ministers that I was sitting with after the services having dinner, and I just said, listen, guys, I'll just be, I could just tell you, I could be depressed every day of my life. Depression is always at the door in my life. And one of the things that shocked me was how many of those ministers at that table say, that's my experience. It doesn't mean that we're depressed. But if we yielded to it, we wouldn't have to go around the block to find it. That spirit of depression is right there. Amen. But don't feel sorry for me. Right? I'm on the end. Like if you're outside my house wanting in, I'm sorry. I'm inside. It's warm. It's comfortable. Coffee's hot. But you're not getting in. You can hang out on the front porch all you want. I'm not opening the door. I'm not opening the window. I'm not yielding to you. You stay out there till you get frostbite, devil. But I'm not going to yield to the wrong thing. I'm not going to, because my victory, my victory, your victory is tied to what you yield to. I said our victory, amen, joy and peace is a choice. If you're born again, you've got joy and peace at the ready. In your spirit, waiting to be tapped, waiting to be yielded to. But the devil's going to make sure that if you want to yield to worry and anxiety, amen, and oppression and fear, You won't have to go far to find it. You'll be able to yield to that. It's part of the end times. Men's hearts failing them for fear for the things that they see coming on the earth. Pick it up in verse 28 with me. And when these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Skip down to verse 31. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know Uh, Ye that the kingdom of God is not at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Then what did he say? Look at verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. Amen. Take heed to yourselves. Look what Jesus says to us. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. 
You probably didn't use that in your vernacular today, but we'll break it down. And drunkenness, and look at this, and cares of this life, and so that that day come on you unaware. For as a snare, as a trap shall it come, the coming of the Lord, on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth the whole earth. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, uh, you know, he's talking to his people. And there is a posture, Jesus is saying, that you have to be in to not be caught in the trap and to stay in the posture that is going to be counted worthy to escape when the trumpet sounds. Well, let's look at what he said. The first thing he said about this is you're going to have to take heed to yourself. You're going to have to pay attention to your own self. Amen. Let me read this to you from the God's Word translation. I like this from the God's Word translation. Jesus said, according to this rendition, make sure that you don't become drunk. Okay. We all in line with that one? Okay. Check that off the list. Make sure that you don't become drunk, hungover. Everybody okay? All right. So you're doing good so far. And worried about life. Make sure, he said, as part of taking heed to yourselves, he said, make sure that you don't live worried about life. Then that, that, so that that day suddenly catch you by surprise like a trap that catches a bird. That day will surprise all people who live on the earth. Be alert at all times. Pray so that you may have power to escape everything that is about to happen. So avoiding the pitfall of what's about to happen, one of the traps is being worried about your life. Being worried about your life, that's a form of fear, takes you out of the right posture to be ready for His return. You might have not connected those two dots, but I'm just reading the words of Jesus. It's going to become even more evident when we read the Amplified Classic. So the Amplified uh, in verse 34 says, But take heed to yourselves and be on your guard, lest your hearts be overburdened. You know, don't be sober about taking on commitments. Be sober, be prayerful about what you add to your family schedule. About what you take on. Amen. We live in the most frazzled, ragged, exhausted, distracted age. And it's, it's up to you and me to watch out for ourselves to make sure we don't get caught up in that. Amen? And then we don't have room for things like coming to church. We don't have room to just sit and breathe and enjoy family time and the simple pleasures of life. Amen? So Jesus said, you got to put yourself on guard so that your hearts are not overburdened. The next word is, and depressed, weighed down. With the giddiness and the headache and the nausea of self-indulgence. This is just, you're just giving yourself too much to fleshly self-indulging activities. Drunkenness, and look at this, worldly worries. 
and cares pertaining to the business of this life. We're going to have to get our foot on top of that which would make us worried. And keep that stuff beneath our feet. Amen? Lest that day come on you suddenly like a trap or a noose. Verse 35, for it will come. It will come. Verse 36, Jesus said, keep awake and watch. At all times, be discreet, attentive, and ready, praying that you may have the full strength and ability and be accounted worthy to escape all these things taken together that will take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. So, uh, praise God. So again, Jesus is saying that we have to take heed to ourselves in these last days and understand that worry and fear is a threat to successfully navigating last days living. You with me so far? Amen. Regardless of whether we're in the last days or not, worry's always been an opportunity. So fear's always been present since the fall. Fear's the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced when they sinned. Fear was birthed in their hearts the moment that they sinned. They hid themselves from the presence of God, didn't they? Amen. Yeah, praise God. So let's go to Matthew 6 for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, I just want to make some, and I know this is, you know, things you've probably heard before, and that's okay. Matthew chapter 6. I want to just make some important, I think, important statements about fear, about worry. The first thing I want to convince you of is that you ought not do it. You ought not do it. Did you know that worry is a sin? Now, a lot of people have trouble swallowing that if they're not renewed their mind to the word. Because most people think worry is something everybody does. And it's just part of the human condition. Perfectly natural to worry. Maybe for a fallen one, for, a, for someone who doesn't know God, for someone who doesn't know the flow of faith, for someone who doesn't know about laws that govern the spirit realm, but if you know anything of it, it, this ought to be enough for us. What I'm, what I'm about to read you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Anybody have a new King James? Babe, you got your new King James there? Matthew 6, verse 25. Boy, you've been in this chapter a little bit. <clears throat> so the red letters here say, Therefore I, Jesus, say unto you, Do not worry. That ought to be enough. For you not to do it ever again. Jesus said don't do it. So the next time you catch yourself in a worried mode, stop yourself. Dr. Dufresne used to hold up a red stop sign when he preached this message. And he would say, Jesus said stop it. Stop it. Jesus said stop it. I can't. Yes, you can. Jesus is not unjust. I have to worry. I can't help it. You can help it. The, either you're lying or Jesus lied. He wouldn't tell you to do something you can't do. If he said to tell you to stop it, then you can stop it. So stop worrying. What would you call something that Jesus, who is God, that means deity, when, he, when deity says don't do something and you do it? What is that? That's called sin. I said that's called sin. 
Worry is a sin. Worry's like taking a shot of cocaine in your nose. Worry is like stealing money out of my wallet. Worry is like hating somebody. Worry is like being a racist. Worry is a sin. You know what that means? Worry will hurt you. The wages of sin is death. Death is attached to worry. I said death is attached to worry. Don't do it. It took me a while, but I found out from the word that sickness and disease is not from God. It's part of the curse. It's of sin and of the devil. And so I have learned when it tries to come, somebody asked me, you don't deal with COVID? Your family? I said, I said uh, no, we just don't. We're very thankful, but we just don't deal with that. Okay. Well, part of that is we, stand, we resist sickness and disease. I know I'm not supposed to have it. Amen. By His stripes, we were healed. I'm going to resist it. Amen. Well, listen, you need to see the effects of worry and fear and depression and oppression and anxiety. It is from the same pit. It flows out of the same source. It is just as dark, just as evil, just as wicked, just as harmful, just as damaging as is any other sin that's out there. In fact, Brother Hagin, you know, he used to say, I'd rather have dope peddlers in my church than worry warts in my church. <laughs> because anybody gets caught peddling dope in my church, you could throw them out and everybody be in favor of it. But you try to deal with mama who's gossiping all through the church with all her worry and fear and doubt. You try to deal with her. Oh, you know, aren't you being so hard? Now, I like the King James also how it renders verse 25. It says, and Jesus said unto them, take no thought. How does worry, how does worry work? You've taken a thought. You've taken a thought, a thought a circumstance gave you, a thought a situation gave you, a thought a demon in, whispered in your ear, and you took that thought, and then you began to mull it over and run it over, and then you're talking it, and you're musing it, and then you're preparing for it and almost expecting it to come to pass. And then when it does, you're like, see, I told you. So Jesus said in the New King James, it's rendered, do not worry about your life. King James says, take no thought. Take no thought. Well, let's just keep reading and listen to what the master says here. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. You know what, you and I, if we're gonna if we're gonna live free from worry, if we're gonna live in victory, stop griping about grocery prices. Stop talking about it. Amen. God is our Father, and you're better than a bird. Jesus said, "We're in this chapter." He said, "You're better than a bird," and God feeds the birds. God feeds the birds. I'm out in like eight degree weather, filling up my bird feeders. God's got me out there feeding the birds. Anybody else out there feeding the birds? Spending good money to feed. And they all look fat and happy to me. Amen. 
Jesus does not want us to worry about having something to eat. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Then he says, or what you shall drink, nor for your body. How many people today are worried about their body? They're body conscious. It's almost like people who don't, haven't been taught faith, they get to a certain age and that's all they talk about. They play bingo with their friends and they talk about what's broken down in their body today. And what funeral they went to. And, and did you read the obituaries this week? And uh, I only got three friends left on planet Earth. They're all croaking. They're, we're dropping like flies. And that's all they talk about. You better quit that. Amen. Young people worried about their body. Right? This coming, that coming, this going around, that going around. I'm telling you, stop that. You better, you better listen to this preacher. Get on top of that. Stop worrying about your body. Amen. Then it says, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment or clothing. Behold the birds of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. This, I mean, if you're going to believe what the Scripture says, the Father God, the Almighty, Yahweh, Jehovah God, is involved making sure the little bird has something to eat. Amen. Then what does he say? Are you not much better than they are. Listen, let me help you environmentalist wackos. The answer to that question is yes. Birds are not created in the likeness and image of God. They are not eternal spirits. Which of you, by taking thought or worrying, can add one cubit to it? Number one, worry doesn't help. You're not changing anything walking the floor at night. You're not impressing anybody with how much you care. And that's a big one. Oh, that's a big one. People that don't worry, they, they, they will accuse you of not caring. No, I'm the only one. I'm staying in a position where we could tap into God. Amen. They will accuse you. You know, some, everybody, some families are always in drama, always in crisis. And they're always got someone going to the ER, always got something going on. And they want to call you, aren't you coming? Are you going to break the speed limit? Break the speed barrier to get here. Uh, no, I'm not. Jesus didn't do that. When his best friend Lazarus, when he died, he stayed there three. He was like, no. We should not let external circumstances, especially the crises and problems of others, dictate your pace. I'm going to dictate my pace. Amen. I said, I'm going to dictate my pace. And my pace is peace. I used to, when the phone rang and it was away from me, run frantic tearing through the house, just trying to, oh, I got to go, I got to get it. You know what I realized? I'll get there when I get there. I'll call them back. Most of the time it's a telemarketer anyway. There's no reading and breaking the lamp on the coffee table trying to get to the phone. <laughs> Chill. Amen. Worry doesn't help. You're not changing anything. You're making it worse. Verse 28. Why take you thought or worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They don't work. 
They don't toil. They're not struggling. Neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, he's a pretty rich guy, in all his glory was not arrayed or clothed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now he gets down to it. Worry at its core is a faith issue. And understand, friend, you cannot be in worry and faith at the same time. You cannot. They are antithetical spiritual forces. They work under the same law. Worry is faith in the negative. Worry is expecting bad things to happen. And they do. It works like faith. Amen. Faith is a positive expectation, confidence, and assurance in God's ability and in God's word based on what he said. And it comes to pass if you do that. Because faith is a spiritual force. Amen. Listen, if you're worrying, you're demonstrating your little faith. If I'm worrying, I'm demonstrating my little faith. Hallelujah. Preaching good. Amen. Then look at how he repeats these things. Verse 31, take no thought. Now here's here's a different revelation. He adds to this truth. New King James says, do not worry saying. This is the ultimate aim of fear. The ultimate aim of every form of fear from the spirit realm's perspective is to get you to open the door for Satan to be able to attack you. Your worrying is Satan's permission. And at the same time, you tie the Father's hands from being able to help you because he's a faith God. So worry is not just unhelpful. It is extremely damaging because you tie the hands of Jesus. Now, I wasn't there. I wish it was. But when Dr. Dufresne, in, several years ago, chartered a jet and took a, quite a few ministers with him to Russia uh, to, uh, to minister there. And after one of the services, they were all going down this hallway, downstairs corridor to go eat or wherever they were going. And a minister named Reverend Ike... I don't know if you know Reverend Ike from our, he's a black man. He pastors in Nigeria. He's a spiritual son to uh, Pastor Jay Eberly, and I know him very well. Um, All of a sudden, everyone in the stairwell stops. There's a holy presence. It's heavy, and everyone starts weeping. Ike is the only one, I think, that saw Jesus. But Jesus appeared to Ike, and Jesus was weeping. That's why everybody else just... And Jesus is weeping, and he tells Brother Ike, he says, Tell my people not to worry. Tell my people not to worry. I cannot help them if they worry. And they disappeared. And Jesus had this grief and tears and longing in his eyes, Pastor Ike said. You could see how much Jesus wanted to involve himself in people's situations. But the people wouldn't let him because of their worry. This is an answer why finances are the way they are. You worry about it. Now, how did Brother Hagin tell us how to know if we're worried about something? 
if you're thinking about it. If something's right here all the time, you're worried about it. No, I'm not. You're worried about it. You're thinking about it all the time. You know, by way of illustration, Brother Copeland years ago, he had like, I don't know, 13, 12, 13, 15 different departments of ministry. And they all had their own budgets and their own streams of finances. And every one of them was prospering and increasing across the board except the TV ministry. The TV ministry was falling behind a million dollars every month. And it had gotten behind by about $7 million, if I have my story correct. And he went before the Lord and he said, all these other departments are prospering. Yeah, I just, I don't know what to do. I guess. He said, think about it. God said, think about it. You don't give those other departments a thought. But you're constantly nursing and, and worried about that TV department. The worry is preventing me from helping you. So he cast his care on the Lord. Very quickly, all that money just came in. He was thinking about it. Some things are just not worthy of you thinking about. If you need to deal with something, if you can deal with it, you deal with it. There are situations, right? Thermostat goes out on the hot water heater. Got to deal with it. No need to worry about it. Deal with it. Get out there in the cold and change it out. That's what we did. You just deal with it. Amen? But some people, they just, uh, and they don't, know, they don't know a life not thinking about some heavy problem. Oh, and if they don't have something in their own life, they'll pick up somebody else's worry. They don't know what, that's what I meant. Worry is their flow. You better break that stronghold in your thinking. Amen? But look at this, he said, take no thought saying. And this is where the evil power of worry is released. It's through our words. Through our words. So take no thought. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? How are we going to get gas? How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? Better stop that. Better stop talking like that. Catch yourself. Repent. Say, oh, Father, forgive me. Sorry for that. And go back to talking the promises of God. Go back to talking what you want. Verse 32, for after all these things, after all these things, the pagans, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father. And you think about yourself, he's personal. Your heavenly father knows. He knows you need tires. He knows you need fuel. He knows you need insurance. He knows you need, he knows what you need. Another gospel says, and it adds the words, and it's your Father's delight to give you the kingdom. But you've got to cooperate with God. How do I do it? Stop worrying. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but He's going to give you something to do. You need to do something? Here's what He tells you to do. Stop worrying and do something else. Do what? Seek something that has nothing to do with you. Seek something first that doesn't have anything to do with your food, your gas, your clothes, your bills, your baby, your mortgage, your rent. See, if you're putting all that first, you're out of divine order. God can't bless you like he wants to. He's not going to change the word for you. You've got to seek something first. There's got to be something more important to you than you. 
There's got to be something more important to you. Listen, I'll make it even hard, you know, harder in your own mind. More important to you than your baby. My family. Nothing's more important to me than my family. I've heard that. I've heard that. Men, there's just nothing more important to me on this planet than, than, than my family. Well, you're out of divine order, and that's why God can't bless you. You're in violation of what Jesus said. He didn't say, seek ye first your mortgage. He didn't. He didn't say, seek ye first diapers for your baby. He didn't say, seek ye first formula. He didn't. I know the world is on, all on board with that kind of thing. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his ways of doing things. And if you'll do that, if I'll do that, then we have Jesus' promise. All these things shall be added unto you. Food to eat. Every good thing. The Bible says God withholds no good thing from him who walks uprightly. Pastor, I just don't know. You just don't know. I, I know I don't know. but And I don't want to know. Unless I just have to know as your pastor. But... I know what the Word says. I know Jesus is not a liar. I know if you'll just deal with yourself and put Him first, put the kingdom of God first, and then you, then you're in position for God to be able to bless you. Y'all got a few more minutes? Amen. Go with me back to Job. Job chapter 3. Everybody goes, whoa, here we go. And we go to go to Job. <laughs> but remember I made the statement that worry is Satan's permission. Now I want to show it to you. We all know what happened to Job. We all know what happened to him. Let's look at what Job said about himself. Job 3, verse 25 and 26. Now, if you don't have these verses marked, you need to mark them. These are landmark verses. They'll really help you. Job 3, 25 and 26. So Job said, for the thing, not something else, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Why is that so? Because it's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. You fear getting cancer long enough, you'll get it. And then you'll tell everybody, I knew it. And it was you, honey. It's you that, in, that engaged in that spiritual law. Knowingly or unknowingly, it doesn't matter. The law works for everybody. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which, is, that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Verse 26. Now notice the language. I was not in safety. Meaning in his own mind. Neither had I rest. He was not in peace. Neither was I quiet. He wasn't content. He wasn't tranquil. Yet, trouble came. That's exactly right, because he was not in the flow of peace. 
He was troubled. He lived troubled about his children. He worried about his children. If you read it, he was worried about his children. And that's the first thing he lost. So, parents, you better get a hold, you better stop worrying and fear. I refuse to worry about my kids. I could, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to let it in. Because it is Satan's permission. You should look that up, and I don't have time, but you should look those verses up in several different translations. Go to BibleGateway.com and just hit, click the different translations. One of them says, I fear to fear, and the thing I feared has come upon me. It's a spiritual law. So some of you, you know, I don't know, you fear a spider crawling up in your mouth at night or whatever. You better stop that. That's what you're going to get. There's a spider making plans to visit you. You better quit. I love what Dr. Lester Sumrall said. He said, if the devil in the form of a thought tells me there's a boogeyman in the closet, I kick open the door. I kick that door open. Don't let your kids go to, go, to, go to sleep scared. Make them crawl under that bed. There's nothing under there. Right? Right? Seriously. You, you, they think there's a, rap, a rapping on the wall? Go, go deal with that rapping on the wall. Some in the bushes. Take them by the hand and go stick your head in the bushes. I'm just telling you, you better violate whatever fear you're dealing with. Fear has turned people in this day and age weird. Turned them weird. Turned them strange. Amen. So I've said this, but I'll just for clarity's sake, you understand that worry, fear, and faith are incompatible. You cannot be in faith. And that's one of the huge dangers of worry is it takes you out of the flow of faith. Takes you out of the flow of faith. Yeah. So I dealt with that. Going to have to finish this up here. Go with me to. Um, Let's go to Philippians. I'll just close here with some principles that you should live by from here on out. Principles that you should live by. You know, the Lord, in some of these Wednesday night services, we've been talking about be strong, right? Nothing will weaken you faster than worry and fear. It'll break down your mind, rob you of your hope, sap you of your energy and your drive, opens the door to depression. Dr. Summerall lists up to like seven, eight, maybe even ten different levels of demonic involvement that you can go through these different stages. And it all sometimes it just begins with worry. Run-of-the-mill worry. And then it graduates on up the line. You get to a certain level, you won't be able to get free by yourself. You have to have another anointed believer to help you get free, which is fine if you need that. But just don't let it get that far. So I'll, I'll rattle off these principles you should live by to help you. Number one, um, guard your heart. Jesus said, guard your heart. Pay attention. Well, how do I guard my heart? Well, put it, you got to man the gate. You got to man the gate. 
What are the, what are the gates to your heart? I, I think that I know about three of them. Your eyes is one. Your ears is one. Your tongue is another. So how do you guard your heart? Pay attention to what you're looking at. What you're paying attention to. What you're observing. Govern and pay attention to what you're listening to. What's being fed into your ear. Listen to enough news. Read enough news to be informed. Then get off of it. Get off of it. Because it's, they're, they're just getting rich, pumping the spirit of fear into the population. So your thoughts, your eye, okay, that's another one. Big one. A gateway into your heart is your thoughts. You're going to have to have somebody at the gate. Manning, paying attention. What am I thinking about? What am I, is the flow of my thought? Is it hopeful? Is it based on the word of God? Is it joy and peace? Or is it negative? I'd give you a little simple example. You know, believe in God for church finances, okay? I've been doing it here 22 years. This is a, a pattern, you know? And I got this word from God through Pastor Nancy. Uh, it's a good word. It's a new day for you, Pastor Chris. The struggle is over, meaning the financial struggle. The struggle is over. It's a new day for you now. It's been a struggle because you had to learn some things, but now it's in a flow. And then one of the things the Spirit of God said through her is, now when God gives you new projects, don't cycle that through the past. Saying, oh my gosh, more of that. No, not more of that. It's different now. Well, you know, it's hard. You get in a habit because you do things financially, at least in my head, by weeks. Week, week, week. Well, I don't know for how many years it's in the natural. It's like the second week of the month financially is like Goliath, fighting Goliath every single second. So it's hard in the natural for me to approach the second week of the month. I have extra to deal with. My thoughts want to, because that's the way it's been, to stay in that mode of thought. But you can't do that. Can't do that. I have to, I have to, no, 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 no. Amen. I mean, if you've never been caught, you know, by a family member or something in the house and you're, 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 no, no. And someone goes, what are you doing? You just have to tell them, listen, uh, hold on. I'm dealing with a thought. I'll be with you in a minute. If you're not doing that, you're not living the Christian life properly. I mean, if you just say, hey, listen, I'm going to take my break, co-worker, in a minute. I'm just, I got to go deal with a thought. I'll be right back. Deal with a thought. Yeah, deal with a thought. I'm going to go deal with a thought. The Bible says we're supposed to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every thought we're supposed to take it, that means lead it off and put it in prison. It's a wrong thought, a doubt-filled thought, a fear-based thought, a depressing thought, a negative thought. Take it captive. So that's a principle to live by. You live these last days guarding your heart by manning the gates of your thoughts, your eyes and ears, and your words. 
The second principle to live by is refuse to be troubled. Just refuse to be troubled. I wish I had just time, but Philippians chapter 1, there's a verse, I think about verse 28, and Paul says, Do not be intimidated, not even for a moment, by any of your adversaries. Uh, Other translations say, don't be intimidated, don't be in fear, not just one second, by your opponents, by the opposition that you're facing. Uh Not one minute. minute. Amen. The opposition of bodily harm, sickness, and disease, the opposition of people that want to persecute you, uh, whatever form the opposition is taking, we're to not be intimidated, not even for one minute. Then in Philippians chapter 4, that's where I want you to be. Of course, verse 6 is where we're going. He says what? Be anxious for three or four things. No, be anxious for nothing. One translation says, don't be anxious about even one thing. Not even a thing. Not a meeting you're going to have to have. Not a conversation you're going to have to have. Not some future situation that you're dealing with. God wants you and me, I'm going to finish this up here. God wants you and me to live a carefree, anxiety-free, worry-free, fear-free life. Over and over and over and over, the Bible says, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Be strong. Amen? Jesus said in John 14, verse 1 and 27, he said it twice, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. See, and you can just do what Dr. Jacobs did. He said, I just made a firm decision. I don't care if I have to bury my whole family. I don't care if my church implodes. I don't care what happens. I'm not going to be troubled about anything. I'll just bury it and keep going. Doesn't mean you like it emotionally. But he just made a firm decision. It's a good thing he did because he had his son-in-law pass away. Right? He had his wife walk out on his his daughter-in-law walked out on one of his sons. His wife went to heaven all within the space of about three years. It's a lot to deal with. I said it's a lot to deal with. That man just keeps marching on. Amen. You just make a decision. I'm done worrying. I'm done with it. It's not going to help anyway. I said it's not going to help anyway. Yeah, so in the Amplified of verse 27, John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. I love this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated. (laughs) And disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That's Jesus. So we don't get to be that anymore. We don't get to be agitated, disturbed, upset, fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. Now we're all going to be opportunity. When it rises up on you, you'll be uh uh-uh, 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 And then go pray in the Holy Ghost like Billy Frazier. Till you get your flesh under. Amen. The next skill... Just real quick, this principle to live by is 
get skillful. Practice casting your cares on the Lord. I don't have time to take you those scriptures, but it's right here in Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God that passes understanding will set up a garden, a garrison about your heart and mind. But only after you're willing to not be anxious about even one thing and pray about everything. Then the peace of God's going to kick in. Some people are praying for the peace of God to kick in, but they won't let go of their worry. They won't let go of their care. They wouldn't have anything to talk about if they didn't worry. They wouldn't know what to say if they couldn't worry. Get skilled. I mean, I'm just telling you, as we leave here, practice. Casting. So I do this all the time. Father, I, I just take the weight of that situation and... If I could deal with it, I would, Father. I, and I, well, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But one thing I'm not going to do is lose sleep over this yes. and be upset about this. Yeah. And I just, I'm, Dr. DeFrame would say, write your care down on a piece of paper, wad it up in a ball, and throw it at God. <laughs> and get it away from you. Take it to the altar of the church, he'd say. He'd have services. He said, everybody write it down on a piece of paper and leave it here and don't take it home with you. I'm going to burn it in the trash can when I leave. But really give it to God. That means if he's got it, then you don't have it. And if he's got it, he's going to take care of it. But he can't take care of it if you've got it. I said, he can't take care of that bill if you're going to worry about it because you've got it. You've got to give it to him. Give those kids to him. Give that husband to God. I heard somebody just tell recently, some mama, she said something like, oh, finally, I'm done. I'm done praying. I'm done this. I'm done that. If you can do anything with that boy, you just do it. And she stopped. And like within 45, 48 hours, he was born again. <laughs> she finally, all her praying, all her walk on the floor, it was out of worry. It wasn't in faith. See, a lot of, a lot of worry-based prayers, fear-based prayers, those don't, God doesn't hear those. Give, give, that, give that boy to God. Pray if God leads you to, but not in worry, not in faith. Uh, you got to do it in faith. So practice that. And then the last one is major, major, major in your life on the flow of joy and peace. You're going to get a, a higher degree in anything. Get one in the flow of joy and peace. Get good at it. And when the joy and peace flow tries to show up in our services, don't kick against it. That's, that's, that is opportunity for you to practice the flow, amen, of joy and peace. Do you know joy and peace run around with faith? They're faith's cousins. They are. And if, if the cousins of joy and peace are not present, faith is probably not there. How do you know if you're in faith about something? Are you in joy about it? Are you in peace about it? The Bible says in Romans 15, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, if you're really believing, there's joy there. There's peace with that. Not here. Here. I said not here. Stop looking for it to show up here. Here. This is where you live from. I'm trying to let you go. This is where you live from. Where God is. 
where the fruits of the Spirit spring forth from. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Come on. Amen? Here. Your brain will catch up eventually. If it's bothering you, just shut the thing off. Stop thinking about it. I know it's over there. I refuse to look at it. If I look at it, I'm going to get upset. I just refuse to look at it. I'm going to turn my attention over here where I like it, where the sun is shining, where God is. I'm not saying ignore your business. But you do what you can do with your business, and then you leave it. And then you get over, oh, Father, I magnify. Father, I thank you. I give you, you've got that care. You've got that situation. Amen. Amen. You'd be amazed how fast God could turn your situation around if you just stopped. If, if all you did was stop worrying about it, how fast things could turn in that situation. Amen. 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 Are you helped tonight? Amen. I love the services where we're running and rolling around the floor, but I tell you what, if you'll practice the flow of joy and peace, disciplining your mind and not letting worry in, and just, just focus on that for a while, your life will be different. Your emotions will be different. Your body will settle down. Health can return. This is an end time flow we must be good at so that our hearts won't fail us as we see the things coming on the earth. Amen. Well, bow your head. I'll pray uh, kind of a dismissal prayer.